from Matthew 7. And it's the narrow and the wide gate. So verse 13 onwards. It just says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. I don't know about you, but... Morning, church. Uh, This morning, we've got the privilege of welcoming into membership uh, some people who have decided that they want to become members of this church. So if Phil Newton is here, I heard he got locked out of his house this morning, so he might not be able to have made it. If Phil's here, if Darren and Elizabeth Miles are here, uh, just come to the front. Jessica and Nicholas Ward and Patrick and Raphael Bashangezi. If you could just come up to the front now, that would be great. Thank you, guys. Yeah, come right up here. Why don't you just come across here, you guys? Well, this looks like an encouraging light, doesn't it? Great. Good. We want to say to you all, um, welcome. Welcome to you, Raphael, and to Jessica and Nick Ward, and to Darren and Elizabeth, and also to you, Patrick, as well. Welcome to membership. And as um, you stand before us, we'd just love to pray for you, that as you have said, this is no longer just the church, but it's my church that as you continue to serve God here and seek to be fed and to grow, that God would bless you. Let's pray, shall we? Oh God, we thank you for your church, your bride. And God, we thank you for these people here who have said, we want to be part of this family. We want to say that this is my church, this is our church. God, we pray for each one here, that as they seek to worship you here, as they seek to serve you using their gifts, as they seek to each week learn from you and to share in their small groups and in our services. God, as they seek to devote the rest of their lives to you, Holy Spirit, would you empower them and strengthen them? Would we together love them as we share love one with the other? And God, we pray as a result of their willingness to be committed officially to this church here, that our church would continue to grow and thrive as we seek to honour you in everything that we do. We give you praise that you are building your church. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Welcome, guys. Let's welcome them, hey? Great. Thanks. Please take your seat. Thank you. Great. Thank you, guys. Good. We look forward to sharing in communion together the body of Christ uh, later on in the service. I remember um, many years ago when I was working in insurance. I was in an insurance office and my job was supporting insurance agents administratively. 
I would often see new agents who would start in our office and they would come in as you would expect new insurance agents to be. They were outgoing, gregarious, full of energy, very confident. And uh, often what I noticed, though, that many of them didn't last too long. They would be here and then briefly after they would be gone. And I often wondered what happened to them. I later discovered that one of the most important things about being a successful insurance agent or sales in any area is that no matter how friendly you are, no matter how good the product is you're selling, no matter how effective your sales pitch, the one thing that you need to do to exceed in selling is to ask for the order. See, many of these people looked good, they sounded great, they had convincing sales pitches, but when it came to the time to say, would you like to buy the product? Would you like to place an order? Would you like to make a decision? They just couldn't do it. And people often came and went because they couldn't ask for the order. Do you know, good preachers ask for a response when they speak. They answer the question of, what did you want me to do as a result of what I've heard today? Good preachers help people understand some information and then they help people not only to understand the information but from that information to actually make a decision as a response. Sometimes it's to change an old pattern, to start a new one, to receive Christ, to grow. But good preachers ask for a decision. We've been going through the Sermon on the Mount together for uh, right since the end of May. It's just on six months now that we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount. And I've got to say that I'm a little sad because we're coming towards the end of the messages. And the, the Sermon on the Mount is about Jesus and his message. Jesus, the greatest preacher that ever lived, preaching the greatest sermon ever. And you can bet that as he comes to the end of his message, he's not just going to leave the people there without asking them to make a decision. He's not going to finish without asking for a response. You'll remember that so far Jesus has challenged us about uh, how his followers, Christians, are to live in the world today, how they were to live back then, and he's been challenging us about that as well. And the way that God wants us to live, Jesus says, is countercultural. It's completely different to what we'd expect. Instead of being people who seem to know it all, who are arrogant, Jesus says that God wants his followers to be humble, to be poor, to be poor in spirit, to be broken. You know, instead of being those who uh, do what we like and retaliate when we're hurt, Jesus says that God wants us to be followers who are pure in heart, who show mercy, who are peacemakers. Jesus, in the Sermon of the Mount, has taught us that he not only wants our actions to be right, but he wants our hearts also to be right. 
you know, the world hates, uh, the world uh, tolerates hatred. The world tolerates divorce and, and judging. And Jesus says, my father advocates love, truth, no angry justice. The world says, stack up earthly treasures here on earth because who cares about eternity? And Jesus says, my father says, stack up riches and treasures in heaven where you can enjoy them forever. The world says, you know, there's no use working. There's, 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 you've got to work really hard in this life, the world says, because no one's going to give you anything, any help along the way. Jesus says, my father says, ask and you will receive because I want to give good gifts to my children. So throughout this sermon, Jesus has been saying, here's some things I really want you to understand. Here's some things I want you to get. But now, from informing and educating, I want you to make a decision. I want you to act. I'm going to ask you to do something as a result. And so right there on the Sermon on the Mount, right on the hillside, as people were listening, he says, make this decision I want you to enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. In this call from Jesus, there are four contrasts in this short few verses. And as we understand the contrast, we can understand what Jesus was asking his listeners to do. And in the first contrast, there's two gates. There's a narrow gate and there's a wide gate. And Jesus says... If you want to wind up in the kingdom of God, if you want to become one of my followers, if you want to live counterculturally, if you want to have eternal life and live forever, there's only one way to enter, and it's through the narrow gate. And that's it. There's only one way to God, Jesus says, and I'm it. Do you know in... Uh, John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, singular. I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And in John 10 and verse 9, he says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. Do you know, Jesus also said in Acts 4.12, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven by which men must be saved. There's no other. There's no other way. And in 1 Timothy 2.5, he says there is one mediator, Paul says there is one mediator between God and men, the man, Jesus Christ. You can just imagine on that hillside kind of unease creeping across the crowd as he spoke. You know, people 
prickling with, with, and maybe some hissing or some people getting a bit upset as he said these words. Because Jesus' message says there's a narrow gate that is the only way to the Father and I'm it and you've got to come through me. You know, the people would have felt uneasy that day and I'll tell you, people today feel uneasy when people say things like that. Do you know, uh, one of the things that you can say today that you, can't, that you, you mustn't say today is that there's only one way. You know, if you are having a party or a barbecue or you're having people over and you want to spoil the atmosphere, <laughs> just when the conversation quietens down a little bit, uh, why don't you just try this? Announce to everybody suddenly in the room that even though there are 1.5 billion Muslims in the world, 900 million Hindus, 376 million Buddhists and roughly 1 billion atheists, agnostics and secular people in the world that nobody will ever be made right with God and spend the rest of eternity with him unless they repent of their sins, acknowledge that Jesus was God, the only saviour and that they've got to commit their lives to him without reservation. Try saying that. <laughs> See what kind of reaction you get today. Do you know, people go just absolutely wild when you talk about narrow gates. People hate it. This is not God, what God would be like, they say. This is not what it, it should be like. People want to hear about a, a wide gate. People want to hear about uh, that I can choose whatever I like. I can think whatever I like. I can take bits of this religion or that religion and make up my own mind because I can decide. I don't want to be told what I have to believe. I don't want to have to decide on just one way. I don't want you to tell me. Don't be intolerant. You know, I think there's never been a time when narrow-gate theology has been more countercultural than in Australia today. It seems about the, the worst thing that you can say in our society is that there's only one way. Do you know, our country allows uh, all religions to practice freely, and that's rightly so. You know, we as Baptists believe everybody should be able to have freedom of religion and to believe what they want. But, do you know, uh, what often tolerance talk today implies is that we are to accept that we are all the same and that all different religions lead to the same God anyway. So it doesn't really matter if you believe in something it all leads to God anyway. And nothing could be further from the truth. Nothing could be further from the truth. People want to hear that there's a wide gate, but there is just one road. I've had many conversations with people who uh, said that they've given up on church because it's too narrow. Uh, and it's not popular but Jesus not only said that there's a narrow gate and that he was it, but he says, my followers 
wherever you go, I want you to tell people that there's a narrow gate and there's only one way. I only want you to believe this. I want you to tell people that there's only one way to the Father and that I'm it. There have been times, I've got to admit, when I've been sitting and talking to people and it gets to the point where perhaps they say, I just can't accept the fact that you would say that there's just one God and you are trying to tell me that there's only one way. And, you know, I've got to be honest with you. It would be so much easier at those times just to say, look, it's not like that. You can come in. But what does your sense of what uh, God is like say to you? You What do you think? Do you sense that when we get to eternity, God's going to say, oh, come on. You Muslims, you tried really hard. And look, I sent my son Jesus to die and he said he was the only way. But look, you had a good shot at it and you really tried your best. Come in. I don't really care too much about truth anymore. Just come in. Do you think God's going to say that? The God I know doesn't seem to have that kind of character. But Jesus says, come to me, everyone whether you're old or whether you're young or whether you're rich or whether you're poor, no matter what religious background you come from, come, all of you, come. But you have to come through me, the narrow gate. Enter through it. Don't come through the broad way. So the first contrast picks up the narrow gate and the wide gate. Which are you? Are you someone who has come to the point where you say, Jesus, I want to trust in you alone. I want to enter through the narrow gate. Or are you still trying to kind of align all the other religions, try and please everybody and make everything just all fit together by having a wide gate? You're still trying to figure out a way. Not only does Jesus talk about the uh, wide gate and the narrow gate, but he talks about the narrow road and the wide road. And these two roads are vastly different. The broad way is the way you get on after coming through the broad gate. And it's really attractive. I mean, it's wide and it's like going down the Hume Highway. It's fast. It's an easy ride. Cruise control all the way. There's cars everywhere on it and you don't have to uh, worry about speed signs or about stop signs. You just ignore them and keep going. All the kind of ethical guardrails on the side and warning signs, just ignore them. You're on the broad way. It's free. It's easy. It's flashy. You know, there's lots of lights along the way. There's lots of fast cars and fast driving. And you get to sample all kinds of pleasures on the broad way. Try whatever you like. On the broad way, you feel kind of confident. You kind of feel wild. You feel free. You feel like you're invincible. 
like you're immortal, like no one can stop you. You feel independent. Has anybody ever spent any time on the broad road? I know you have. I've spent time there too. And Jesus talks about a narrow road. When you talk about a narrow road, it kind of puts a dampener on things. Because it makes you feel that there's those ethical and moral guardrails are there to stop you moving off from side to side. And you can't do all those things that people on the broad road are doing. You actually start to be careful about the way that you drive. People on the narrow road put on their seatbelts and they've got, you know, take care as they go. They, they watch out for the warning signs. They observe the road rules. They, they get tired of the jeers of people on the broad road yelling out, move over, get away, come on, what do you think you're doing? People on the narrow road don't feel so wild, wild and so free. But, you know, they kind of have a curious sense of being strong and being stable. And they don't feel so sovereign or so invincible as people on the Broadway do. But after they've been travelling down the narrow way for a while, they start to not feel so concerned that they're not on that road. In fact, they, they start to kind of like being different and they receive a lot of love from others and from God and they give love to other people and they start to feel treasured. People on the narrow road start to feel protected. They start to really feel value of being with other people. It's the narrow road life. You know, it's husbands and wives sticking together for better or for worse. It's children honouring their parents in spite of other children around not doing that. It's parents giving themselves to their kids instead of tirelessly spending day and night just trying to earn more money. It's families coming along to church, being involved in small groups week after week in spite of so many other activities or offers that could take them away. And as a result, they see their lives growing, growing deeper and stronger. What do you want? This morning, on the, on the broad way or the narrow road. Because Jesus, as he points out these two differences, when, he, when he's doing that, he comes to a point where he, he points out two destinations. And he says, there are two destinations, life on the broad way, that you enter through the wide gate seems to be really good and it seems to be great. And uh, he says, but as, it, as you keep going along the broad way, the road comes back to bite you. And what you thought was once a great time, you notice it has a real bad edge to it. While you're driving fast, while you're enjoying life, you tend to have a few accidents on the way. You tend to find that the things that you thought were so attractive become addictive or abusive or hurt other people that you love when you thought they were only just meeting your own needs. 
It starts off good, but it leads to destruction. And while you're on the narrow road, you start off thinking that it's really hard and it feels really tough. And in fact, it, it really is like that at the beginning. But then what you find as you travel along it, it starts to open up. (coughs) It starts to get easier. It starts to get better. Life gets better. And you begin to feel alive again after travelling on the narrow way. Thanks, honey. (coughs) Wide gate people on the broad way. Start out feeling like it's flashy and it's great, but it ends up leading them to destruction. And narrow gate people start out restrictive, but they find with surprising joy that it leads to life in all its fullness. Wide gate people end up in hell. Destroyed. Narrow great people end up in heaven. Eternally, forever with God. I wonder what's your intuitive sense this morning. What do you feel about this as you just observe? Do you think it's true that as you've looked around at people's lives, that do you see that that happens? I mean, people who start living for themselves and ignoring, uh, you know, moral and ethical standards, who start to put themselves as, as, at the forefront, that they end up down the track hitting some snags and finding it getting worse and worse. Is that what you observe? And do you see that, on the other hand, some people that are narrow-gate people who tend to want to live their lives to honour God and trust in him, that find that life... Although it starts off tough, find that as they continue on, they have an incredible sense of God with them, strengthening them. Now, as I look around and I've talked to people, I think that it's true, that this is true. People start off, they love it, seems good, but it leads to destruction. I think there's nothing more special than when someone kneels down on the broad way and looks across the people on the narrow road and starts to realise that perhaps the road that they thought was so great and so good is actually a road that's going to lead to destruction. And they realise that they're on the wrong road. There's nothing better than when someone kneels down and looks across and says, I want to be on the narrow road because my sense is that where I'm heading is not the right way. 2,000 years ago, Jesus stood on a hill and he said, that's what the Broadway is all about and where it leads. If it hasn't happened to you yet, it will happen. It will lead to destruction. Do you want to leave the Broadway, he says. Do you want to leave the Broadway? The last contrast in this passage is the two kind of 
groups of responses. He says that on the broad way are many people, many people. It's full. There are people going right along the broad way in crowds, in droves. But on the narrow way, there's just a few. Just a few that are on the narrow way that find it. And Jesus knew that. And as he called out that day, he was calling and saying, even though you might be just a few, come, come, enter through the narrow way. Because it leads to life. And you'll know that life in all its fullness. And as he asked people to make that decision, the most important decision that you can ever make, he called out to everyone and he said, enter through the narrow gate. Enter through the narrow gate. Come to me. Come to me. I'm the only way. I'm going to spend the last few minutes just asking you, just like Jesus did on that hill 2,000 years ago. Have you come to the point where you want to leave the broad road, enter through the narrow gate, begin life on the narrow road, Have you come to the point where you realise that you want to say, I'm not on the road that I want to be on. It's leading to destruction. And I don't want to go there. If you've been on the broad way, and this morning you're looking and saying, Lord Jesus, I want to come to you through the narrow gate. In a moment, as simple as this is, this is all I'm going to do. I'm going to pray. In that time, I'm going to offer you, I'm just going to, we're just going to say to God, those who are wanting to come through the narrow way, through the narrow gate, we're just going to give you a time to say that to Jesus, just to let him know, yes, I'm coming through the narrow gate. And if you do that in the prayer, while everyone's eyes are closed and, and heads bowed, I'm just going to ask you just to raise up your hand and put it back down again. You know, you might say, why do we do this? Is everyone keeping track? No one's keeping track at all. But in years to come, you might be able to say, on that Sunday morning, November the 4th, 2007, I entered through the narrow gate. I publicly said that, that that's what I want to do. In a moment, we're going to pray, and if you want to do that, just let him know you're entering through the narrow gate and raise your hand at the time. There's another group of people I want to talk to just now. And some of you have entered through that narrow gate. And for some reason or another, you just say, I feel like I'm in a ditch this morning. I feel like I'm not on the narrow road anymore, but I'm on the side in a ditch. It could be a number of reasons that have got you there. Maybe a hurt, maybe sin. Maybe there's been just a, a soft you know, distractions or a growing harder in the heart. And this morning you've realised that you don't want to stay in the ditch anymore. You want to recommit yourself to the narrow gate, to the narrow road that leads to life.
you want to do that, I'm just going to say a little prayer as well. And you might just want to respond in that time. And then at the end, I'll ask all those that are saying, I want to come through the narrow gate, both people for the first time and both those that are committing their life just to raise their hands and put them down while we're all praying together. Jesus said, enter through the narrow gate. And this morning, he's calling you. Let's pray together, shall we? Father, we thank you that you have provided a way to come to you. One way. No other way. But through Jesus Christ. Oh God, this morning we've heard your call. Enter through the narrow gate. And we're coming to you this morning relying on no other one but you, Jesus. And this, if you're wanting to come to Jesus through the narrow gate, just say to him, Jesus, I'm coming. No matter how tough, no matter the cost, Jesus, I'm making a decision this morning. I'm entering through the narrow gate for the first time. Why don't you just tell him that, if that's you, in the quietness now of this prayer. Just tell him you're coming. There are others here this morning, God, who have heard your call to enter the narrow gate and have responded in the past, but this morning, God, we just sense you saying to these people, to give you that hurt, that sin, that disillusionment, that sideline them. But they want to come back to you again afresh. You've been speaking to them. If that's you this morning, just let God know. Say, I'm recommitting my life this morning. I'm making a decision. I'm trusting in you alone. Why don't you just tell him that in these moments? And now, as we just continue to pray, if you have entered the narrow gate, either for the first time or making a recommitment this morning, just now as an act of saying, Jesus, I'm yours, if you just like, while we're praying, to raise your hand and put it down again, just saying, that's me, God, just in these moments. Why don't you do that now? God, we thank you. So many people this morning, so many of us have decided there's no other way but through you alone. And God, I pray that those who have made that commitment this morning, that you would strengthen them on this narrow road. And God, when it's tough and when it's tiring and when it's hard work, Encourage them and strengthen them and remind them that that's how it starts out. 
And God, we just thank you that so many now are coming to know this life that the narrow road leads to. And God, for those that this morning know they're on the broad road but haven't had the courage to come now, God, would you just continue to show them that you're the way. And as they continue to seek and find out more about you, God, would you just speak to them and let them know who you are. We thank you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Well, now, just in these moments, we're going to just sing together as we prepare to come to communion. And what I'd just love you to do is to take your blue cards. They're in your news sheet. And as we just prepare and listen to this music which says, Jesus, I come, and as we prepare to sing this, would you just take out that blue card? And if you've put your hand up or responded, it'd be great just to tick either, I'm receiving Jesus for the first time in my life. That would just be wonderful to know and to pray with you for that. Or if you're saying, I'm recommitting my life to Jesus this morning, why don't you respond? Others of you will be putting prayer requests down. Others of you will just be letting us know you're here by putting your name down. Why don't we just take these next few moments as we come to sing to respond to what he's been saying to us.